you tuned into the Happily Married and Love podcast with your hosts, Sherry and Michael. Hey, before you do anything else, hit that subscribe button so that way you're notified of every time we upload a new episode. All right, so welcome back. This is Michael and Sherry's not with us today. So actually, I've got a guest and we're going to be talking about a fairly intricate, complex kind of topic of pornography or porn and how it can have an impact on relationships. And since we're a Bible-based relationship podcast, we're definitely going to be coming from a biblical perspective. And I have with us today in the studio a professional clinical counselor with um, over 30 plus years experience in family therapy. And I'll give him an opportunity to talk, but I want to officially welcome I almost called you doctor, <laughs> Mr. Kent Ernstein. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be with you today. <laughs> Glad to have you here. Um, as I was sharing, as we were talking through this, this was uh, something I've had in my heart for about a year or so. And I kept telling Sherry, it's like, hey, we got to do it. I said, but I want to do it right. I want to get the right people because this, it's one of those sensitive topics. I want to make sure we do it right. Yes. All right. So, Kent, um, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Just introduce yourself, some of your background to the audience, and then we'll get going to some of the questions. All right. And I have had uh, the privilege of being a therapist for the last uh, 33 years. And uh, about 20 of those years were in group practices. For the last 13 years, I've been in a private practice, which is called Hope Source Counseling. And my primary reason for establishing that was to be able to assist people who are dealing with unwanted sexual behaviors. Uh, okay. Wow. So that actually is a great leeway into talking about porn. There's a voice out and I'm just going to use that in social media and the world and TV today that says, eh, porn's not harmful. So in your experience, I guess that's the first question is for someone who's like, eh, well, they may be looking at it or may have listen to that is porn harmful from maybe a physiological standpoint um mental standpoint relational i'm, I'm glad you started at that point michael because i think you're absolutely right that um, most people would would think that uh this is uh something of interest something that's going to benefit me something that makes right. me feel better and right. uh, it uh is is kind of like widely uh is very widely used and uh it is experienced by people all over the world and uh, probably porn sites are, are some of the most highly visited of any and uh and yet there is a dark side to it and uh in my i i don't really know how many uh, uh exactly couples that i've worked with over the last uh i've 33 years, I've probably had more than 3,000 couples that I've worked with and maybe 30,000 to 35,000 hours of working with people. And you know what? Never once uh, has there been anyone who's come into my office and talked about the benefits of pornography. It's always been the negative side of things, and there have been uh, tremendous uh, problems associated with it. Wow. So no couple has ever come in and said, hey, we have the best relationship in life because we've been looking at this. We've been using this. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't come in. 
Okay. I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Um, all right. So let's let's talk about from um, a physiological standpoint. What's going on when a person looks at porn? Uh, there are there are a number of things that happen. Uh, one of the things that uh, we know about the, the brain is that uh, whatever we think about is important and it is also mm. causing physiological changes in our body. We are actually uh, developing memories, uh, which are actually protein structures of neurons that are being uh, fired uh, as we look at, as we view something, as we participate. We have these amazing uh, neurons called mirror neurons that okay. uh, we, uh, let's say I, I raise my arm and you see that happening and, and uh -huh. you recognize oh, that that's something I can do too. It's uh, We used to call monkey see, monkey do neurons. Uh -huh. But what happens when we are looking at or viewing something on uh, a video screen uh, is that we are in, in effect uh, imagining that we are in that setting and that is us that is participating in that activity so uh -huh. it it becomes this hyper arousal type of thing uh it's often done in privacy and isolation and uh, with a high degree of secrecy and so that actually adds an extra sort of uh electrical charge because there's a risk involved in in that process so what happens is that our uh, we have a, a pleasure center in our brain. Uh, we call it the reward center. Okay. And it gets uh, overstimulated with uh, uh, pumping out extra dopamine, okay. uh, neurochemical that acts as one that enables us to kind of uh, remember something well and, and, and be motivated to, to do it again and again. And each time we view something, we're learning from it. And uh, the, what can often happen is uh, people overuse that, and and when that happens, there's um, there's a decrease in. It's kind of like if you were to have somebody that is yelling at you, you'd want to cover your ears. Right. And and right. the same sort of thing happens with our uh, nervous system in that uh, the dopamine receptors start to shut down. And they, they, what are called, deregulate. They, they okay. get smaller. And then uh, it's, it's their way of protecting themselves from a flood of dopamine. And when that begins to happen, then we have this sense that, uh, oh, I need to, to do it more in order to get that same beneficial okay. effect that I had the last time. And then it creates this uh, sort of endless cycle of wanting to, to do more. So it's a desensitization. Mm -hmm. and, and there's always a search for more things that are interesting and curious. And novelty is something that really stimulates the brain. Okay. So people don't tend to go back to the same things. They want to look for more. And they get involved in uh, kind of more deeper levels of things that they didn't intend to, to do. And so many times what happens is they end up doing it more often, uh, more frequently than they want to. They lose a sense of time sometimes. Maybe they think, oh, I'll do it for a half hour, but they end up doing it for hours at a time. And kind of, mm -hmm. it, it inf impacts their relationships because they're, they're doing it in privacy and in secrecy. And it becomes problematic in the relationship.
Okay, so let's go a little deeper on what are the physical impact to the brain because of porn usage and how does it change? That's a really great question. And there's three things I want to tell you about what happens with the brain with pornography use is that there is a release of oxytocin and adrenaline and dopamine. And uh, oxytocin is that hormone that enables one person to bond with another, to attach to someone else. And uh, the adrenaline is uh, released by the, uh, right above the adrenal glands, right above the kidneys. And uh, it supercharges the body. It's that uh, hormone of, or uh, chemical of excitement. And then dopamine, it causes this seeking out and pursuing kind of behavior. And so when those three things are combined towards pornography, what happens is a person attaches to the images on the screen instead of to a real live person. They're, it's a counterfeit experience. It's a supercharged type of neurological experience that in, in, it affects the whole body, not just okay. uh, not just any one part of the body. Wow. So it's not just in somebody's, well, if I can clarify it, it is in some, someone's mind, but it's not just the mind, it's the brain as well. Yes. Okay. Yes, there have been st clinical okay. studies that show what is going on in the brain when people are exposed to pornography, and, and these are some of the conclusions that have been reached. Wow. And I, I would go on further to say that porn kills love because wow. love is, is attachment with another person. It's connection mm -hmm. with a, a real live human being. Okay. And when this interferes, then it, it blocks that ability to really bond with a person. Plus, it's done in secrecy and in isolation, and it causes people to, to uh, keep secrets from their spouse or their mate or their partner. And that is n never gonna result in uh, attachment and connection because there must be truth as a foundation of every relationship. Wow, so you know, as you were speaking, I, I was thinking of the, okay, the spouse that their spouse is actually in now in involved in porn, that maybe one day they say, I don't know you anymore. Not only that, uh, yes, that's true. And okay. they have a sense of betrayal. Uh, of, okay. Because, okay. for instance, with uh, women whose husbands are, are addicted to pornography, they feel like, I, have, I, don't, I don't have the right curves. How come I can't satisfy you? What is wrong with me? And there's a sense of, uh, I'm, I'm not adequate. And the truth is that uh, they're perfectly fine. And, and they probably loved their body beforehand, but now they begin to dislike their own body at right. times. Because it goes back to, if you don't know the hormonal attachment that that spouse has gone through now, that it, like you said, that person, that wife can feel like, wow, I'm, I'm the problem. Or if they're healthy, well, I'm, I'm gonna use that word healthy loosely, because I don't want women to feel that, you know, any with that. Um, but if they understand, like, wait a minute, no, this isn't in me. The problem is in that spouse. Yes. And it's more than just, hey, you need to drop doing, you know, stop doing that. It's you've got to address the hormonal issue. 
Yes, it's the attachment. It is not only a problem with the couple, but it's a problem that uh, once uh, you you realize that this is the brain okay. that is being impacted, okay. uh, then it takes that sense of blame and guilt away from the couple, uh, and okay. and she needs to know. Yes, you are valuable. You're worthwhile. Yes. and it is not your fault that he is doing this. This is a yeah. it's probably a learned pattern that he picked up early on. Early exposure is typically in uh, 10, 11 year olds. Yep. And that's why we thankfully have some porn blocking software that's yes. available to parents <laughs> right. and, and people in recovery, they can use it too. There's some good ones out there that's helpful. Mm -hmm. Good deal, okay. So, I'm pausing for a moment here because obviously I don't. I know this is not going to be our only podcast. <laughs> We're definitely going to have you back. <laughs> we just have to work out a schedule. Um, all right, but so let's talk to the person who maybe they've been in the secrecy. Maybe they've dealt with it. Maybe I, uh, you talked earlier about someone who is like, how many times have you tried, or people you've counseled, how many times have you tried to stop? And they said hundreds of times yeah. tried to stop. And so say someone's in that position today and say, how do they get help or how do you seek help? And if I'm asking the question. Correctly. Yes. And the good news is that because the brain is neuroplastic, okay. that means that it can change. It can change in positive ways too. We can change behaviors, but we need some help in, in that process because okay. this is something people get into in isolation and to break out of that. The first thing is to recognize that this is a problem and I need to tell another human being. Okay. Uh, and once you begin that process, that's when recovery actually starts, when you allow yourself to be known by another person. And then the next step would be to get together with other people who are also in recovery because, uh -huh. and, and that's a good part, Mike, is that there are uh, there are groups that are set up to help people in recovery. Okay. And once they find out that I'm not the only one who is in this boat, we, we encourage one another mm -hmm. and we get through it together and we walk yeah. through it together. And it is, uh, we, we compliment one another mm -hmm. on their progress mm -hmm. and uh, we give tips about how, what has worked for you. And, and so okay. that's really a good start. And here locally in, in the Cincinnati area, we have a group called Men's Healthy Sexuality. Mm -hmm. uh, there are also other groups uh, called SA, SLAA, SAA. There's a variety of them. And uh, there, are, there are groups for women who are struggling as well because uh, partners feel as though they've been traumatized. And okay. there are specialists who... Okay. Uh, for instance, there's an organization called APSATS, which is the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts mm -hmm. Trauma Specialists. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole network of therapists out there who are willing and, and ready to step in when uh, a spouse feels that sense of betrayal. And what can okay. she do to heal her own soul? Because many times these things, they, they kind of get stuck, trauma gets stuck in the body. And, mm. and we have to, have, okay. there are some good ways to be able to to deal with that. Okay. So that being said, say you've got a wife and her husband's obviously in that, but he doesn't want to help. He's not at that point of, Hey, I need to change. Can this group kind of help her live in that environment, navigate that environment, or just 
how do how do you help how do, can they help her yes she uh, can get some assistance herself okay she needs healing and okay she, that's that's where we all have to start is with ourselves so gotcha. uh, if she will get help then she will probably be able to become healthier within herself to be able to set boundaries with him ah, okay. and to be able to okay. say things like we are not going to have porn in this home right and uh, she'll have it's the resources that she needs to be able to do that kind of thing okay because boundaries are going to be uh, one of her best friends but ah, she's got to have okay. uh, probably some help so that thankfully there are certified clinical partner specialists Okay. who are waiting and ready to help her out. Good deal. Wow. And like I said, wow, this is obviously not going to cover everything here. Um, but what I want to also do, I'm going to post on the site some of those, those places that you mentioned to give people help. That'd be great. And um, is there anything else that we think we should cover today? Well, I just want to say there's always hope. Yes. As long as yes. we are alive. Yes. And uh, this yes. is not a hopeless situation, even if you mm -hmm. find yourself mm -hmm. uh, embroiled in it and right. have not to this point been able to get out on your own. Uh, yep. And it is very possible. And that's why I do what I do. It's a ministry. And there's many other people who have come alongside to be able to help me with this. To, we mm -hmm. want this to be a healthy community. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. That, wow. <laughs> That's just a wrap on this part. <laughs> like I said, we're going to be back. I so thank you for spending the time with us and, and helping our audience because this is a sensitive topic. Um, but the good thing I see about it is you're hearing about it more and more where because it is something that and you made a statement that says porn kills. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. We talk about drugs kill alcohol kills, whatever, you know, you just go through the list that people need to understand as well. Porn is a killer. It is. In terms of relationships. Porn kills love. Porn kills love. Boy, that's one we definitely keep that in mind. But again, it's thank been you. a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Michael. Thank you again. And we'll definitely have you back. Thank you. All right. Look forward to it. All right. So then that's a wrap. So this has been... Happily Married in Love with Michael, normally Sherry, <laughs> but with our guest, Ken Ernstein. So until next time, peace.